Welcome to the Steve Has a Chat podcast, where I call someone out of the blue with the record button on and hope to have an unscripted conversation about Microsoft business applications. Let's see how it goes. Enjoy. Hello, this is Charles. Hey, Charles, Steve Mordu. How are you? Good, good. Great to hear from you, Steve. It's been over a year. I've, I've let you alone with all this AI uh, co-pilots and all the stuff that exploded everywhere. I thought, nah, I, I should wait till things calm down a little bit. And they haven't calmed down, but I got tired of waiting. So here I am on the phone. <laughs> Sounds good. And we just got through Ignite a couple weeks ago, which was a great event for us. And we had a big push with, of course, AI features and Copilot features galore. Um, so looking forward to catching up. Yeah, I mean, like a hundred announcements were made at the at that thing. It was just kind of crazy. It's unfortunate the uh, OpenAI saga kind of stole some of the limelight for for a period of time. Uh, you know, right after uh, you know, right after Ignite, when normally that next week is just full of people talking about nothing. And now we had kind of a week delay, but now that conversation is ramping back up again and. And you guys definitely had an awful lot of stuff to show there. Can I, can I tell you what my favorite thing was that I saw? What Project, was it? Project Sophia. Oh, love it. That that looks so cool to me. Maybe you could tell me. I mean, just out of, I don't care about the other people listening. That's just for my sake. You know, <laughs> tell me a little bit about yeah. that thing. You know, because yeah. I've been thinking since you guys started down this path that the the concept of a UI as we have known it for decades was going to change into something else. I couldn't kind of put my head on around what it would be, but it was definitely not going to be the same, you know, some form that we're filling in fields and hitting enter. Something was going to change. And the the Project Sophia is kind of designed AI first, as opposed to AI being added to some, let's call them legacy applications, because it's what they all are, as kind of an AI first. What, what are your thoughts on that as a direction? I'm also very excited by Project Sophia. And one of the things we wanted to do was to really take a look at the problems and challenges that users and customers have today and reimagine them in an AI future. So if we go look at Project Sophia, it's very much focused on helping people explore data, understand data, analyze information and make decisions. And these are focused on the hard decisions that you make in business, not the easy ones like you know generate an email or generate a document. These are the big questions. How should I price a product? How should I plan my territories? How should I manage my supply chain? How can I improve employee satisfaction? The big hairy challenges. And we took a step back and said, what would an AI first approach look like for this type of challenge? What would it look like to build a solution that was born in the era of GPT-4, born in the era of foundation models that can easily understand images and charts and even dynamically execute code to go create insights? So Sophia was built with that in mind. We reimagined the user experience. We reimagined how data is formatted and ingested. And we reimagined how information is presented and explored by a user. And what we realized as we went on that journey with Sophia is it's not going to be only chat either. 
because why just use chat if I can also use a keyboard and I can also use images and I can also use, you know, a mouse to click and point and drag and drop. And instead of having to have a threaded conversation, what if I could have a visualization of insights and decisions that connect together? Um, it's the same reason why we all love BI tools, for example. Yep. I mean, who likes looking at raw data as opposed to a bar chart and a line chart? Um, so Satosophy is about makes it easy to research and solve hard business problems, and it does it in an AI first way. And I think Sophia is the first of many examples where we're going to go back to the drawing board and reimagine and rethink common experiences and workflows at work based on this AI revolution. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it definitely is an experiment uh, in kind of seeing, OK, let, let's take a crack at an AI first and see what we can do, a learning experience to see how that how that comes together. Um, but I can definitely imagine that in the not too distant future, you know, co-pilots being bolted on to Dynamics 365 sales will be kind of an old way of doing it. And yep. that whole that whole experience will end up, you know, kind of getting re re-engineered. Is that mm -hmm. is that part of the thinking or at least in the back of your mind where this thing goes? Is that absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean like the historian in us, like we we, you know. Computer science has amazing stories of complete transformation and reimagination of user experience. We didn't, if you take mobile devices and smartphones, the successful apps on smartphones are not PC-based applications built for mouse and keyboard, shrunk down and with bigger buttons to work on touch screens on a small screen. Yeah. Instead, the most successful apps are those that took a step back and said, what's possible now on a mobile device, which was never possible on a PC, and let's build the best possible user experience for that. And if you take Uber, like Uber would never make sense as an application on a PC because I'm not on the go. I don't have a GPS. You don't know where I am. You can't yeah. like match make me. But it makes perfect sense on a mobile device because mobile devices have GPSs. I have internet on the go. I'm able to go run full-fledged applications standing on the side of the street in New York City to hail a, an Uber. So that type of thinking needs to happen for these AI-based applications as well. And yes, between say 2002 and 2012, there are a lot of like PC or Windows-based applications that were shrunken down and made to fit on a mobile device. But by 2012, those stopped being the main user experiences yeah. and you had mobile first experiences. Same thing's going to happen with AI. Yeah, most of the it's interesting. There's a lot of legacy desktop applications that today I think work even better on mobile. LinkedIn, you know, is a good mm -hmm. example. I, I, I prefer yes. the, the mobile experience, their desktop experience. So they the yep. team there went. Are you guys related to their team or are they completely separate teams and folks? Mm -hmm. I mean, we're all part of Microsoft. That's a different group from the Dynamics and Power Platform team, so. Yeah, yeah, so they're building their own things. But you guys get to steal from each other's playbooks, I would imagine, right? Yes. <laughs> if yeah. somebody comes up with a good idea, it gets shared around. Yeah, and I mean, like that's one of the things which is incredible about being part of Microsoft during this AI revolution is the fact that it's really a whole company co-pilot and AI stack. I mean, you have at the lowest level GPU infrastructure in Azure, models which are being built in partnership with OpenAI, and that's the same infrastructure and model used by everybody at Microsoft. So we can share in the benefits and also share in the cost to get that stuff built out. 
but that goes up to the next highest level with things like Azure OpenAI and Cognitive Services or Azure Machine Learning or Azure AI Studio or Azure AI Search. We all get to use that. Then you have like the mid-tier with things like Copilot Studio and common reusable UI components between Office and Dynamics. So kind of all of that layers up in a way where it can draw from code, from infrastructure, and even just learnings across the entire company. You know, when the AI race really kind of broke out, I think, was uh, when you guys launched the uh, Bing Copilot, right? Mm -hmm. That was that yep. was what that, I think that was when everybody became aware that you guys were, were playing in the mm -hmm. sandbox as well, mm -hmm. you know, beyond the ML and some of the legacy stuff, but that you were in the chat yep. space as well. Sent Google kind of reeling, I think, for a little bit. We have yet to really see fully what they're going to come back with, although they're 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 doing something. And we got Salesforce out there with their Einstein doing their thing. But, you know, both of those companies have a little bit of a disadvantage in that they're kind of point solutions for the most part. I mean, Salesforce is a business application, which you guys have, but that's all they have. You know, Google is mainly search. They've got some productivity stuff that's out there and some email stuff that's out there. But but you guys are in a kind of a unique spot that you've got. I, mean, I don't know of a base you don't have covered. I mean, you, you guys are producing everything across the stack that anybody would need. That that just feels to me like a a huge advantage going into this this next cycle of uh, of AI. Yeah, I think like the the comprehensive view of AI at Microsoft is is going to be super critical to making the AI as effective as possible. And one of the things that we did at Ignite was really focus on this idea of a single Microsoft Copilot. And we want to make sure that that co-pilot is accessible to everybody and anybody in both their personal and professional life, and that that co-pilot is able to have understanding and knowledge of past engagements and interactions, but also has all the skills it needs to do things like write emails, create a sales report, work a customer service case, do financial planning. If you name it, it's one co-pilot that can do all of it. And we talk about this idea of we want to make there be a copilot for everyone on in the world, much like we wanted to used to have a personal computer for everyone in the world. It's that same idea. And like this was an important evolution of the approach to bring all of that together, like you mentioned, because what we heard from customers loud and clear is they don't want an army of copilots. They don't want 25 different copilots that they have to organize and manage to get the job done. They want a single co-pilot, which is able to do everything they need at work and at home. And that's why we, for example, renamed Sales Copilot to Microsoft Copilot for Sales. And why we made the Bing Chat also available at copilot.microsoft.com. It's all about this one co-pilot that can do everything for you in one place. So that seemed like the next, you know, I was a little critical when these things first launched. I don't know if you recall because it, it mm -hmm. seemed like in the in the in the arms race of AI, the first pass was let's slap a copilot on everything we have quickly, just mm -hmm. as quickly as we can. They don't have to be particularly yep. valuable. You know, we'll circle back and do another pass once we've checked the feature box across our stack that everything has a copilot. And now we're well beyond that. Now we're we're deep into the okay, now let's take this copilot that we slapped on here and, and turn it into 
an actual co-pilot of value. And it's been pretty impressive to see what's happened with some of that stuff. But then I was starting to get inundated with there's a co-pilot for this and a co-pilot for that. And, a co and I'm thinking, like you said, we have 25 co-pilots to manage. And mm -hmm. at what point do, does this just become a co-pilot that follows me from my productivity role, follows me into my sales app for my sales functions, follows mm -hmm. me into the service app, follows me wherever I'm going, and it's the same co-pilot, maybe even keeping yep. context of what we've been doing mm -hmm. through this little journey across a few different apps. Is that is that where we're going to get? That, exactly. That's absolutely where we're, where we're heading towards. And when you get there, the whole inter interaction pattern changes. Like you mentioned earlier, instead of going to like a forum and filling out information and there's a co-pilot on the side, Instead, there's a copilot that I can go to and do all the tasks I want to, and it has the full context of what I've done. And we call that kind of this idea of memory. Um, and if you think about just like a salesperson, if I have an engagement with a customer, I want to I want the copilot to have the full knowledge and history of all of our past engagements, whether that's emails, Teams messages, documents I've shared with them, and more. Um, because that's what like I have in my mind, and it can be an augmented an extension of how I approach the customer if it has that same context. So definitely that's the direction we're going. And and I would say I I don't think we shipped a bunch of copies just to check boxes. We did it really to learn. I mean, right. like the it's interesting. Like I don't think I've ever been part of a team in an area where we've been so far ahead the broader market. I mean, we when we launched copilots. There was nothing like it anywhere. The rare spot there, for right? you guys to have been in. Yeah, it's, <laughs> what that means is we have to write the book. Like that's what I tell my team. We are running the experiments and we are writing the book on what AI applications look like. We are writing the book about what co-pilot means. No one knows today what the final shape will be. And the only way that we actually can figure out the best possible way for presenting AI and co-pilots is by shipping early, shipping often, and listening and learning from customers as they adopt these AI capabilities. And my goodness, have we learned a lot. We learned a lot technologically, and we've even more importantly learned a lot from a user experience point of view and a business value point of view. And we now have some real amazing points on the board and wins on the board of business impact using Copilot. And we, we did a great case study we published back in September about how we use Copilot for technical support at Microsoft. Mm -hmm. And that was massive cost savings and massive improved customer experience. Things like 12 to 16% improved throughput of cases per agent um, from a Copilot. I mean, that's, that's game changing. 15% um, less time spent on the phone 15% less time spent getting an answer and resolution for a support case. That's game changing for our customers. And that's a V1, you know, nine yeah, months right. into the rollout. Imagine what V2, V3, V4 will be able to do. I mean, it's amazing position that you're in to be able to actually have this enormous real life test bed of your support organization to, to experiment yeah. on, if you will, uh, to figure out what it does and how it can do better uh, right internally instead of just speculating on how a customer user might use this stuff and build to that. You build it to solve your, your own problem, which is going to be the same problem yeah. everybody else has, just on a larger scale. Yeah, yeah very yeah, interesting. Absolutely. I'm curious, you know, what 
What are your thoughts on, uh, now we'll kind of go off into la-la land a little bit, on what, what would AGI bring to this equation uh, in, in your imagination that's beyond? Because right now, you know, we've got, we've got our data sets and it doesn't necessarily, you know, learn or, or speculate. It, it, it's, you know, guessing the next best word, which it does very well and, and that sort of stuff. But then there's this, this and, and that alone today is adding lots of value to lots of the jobs that we do. Um, but what do you see happening when, when and if AGI ever comes about? How does how does that change the thinking? Yeah, I mean the like I would say AGI is is probably not going to be like a a step change, but much more a gradual progression towards the capability. So, uh, and I say that because along that progression, there will be a whole lot of innovation and value created even before we kind of take a step back and say we've gotten there, we've gotten to AGI, mm-hmm. um, and. Like if we go look at already what's happening today, 10, 15, 20% productivity benefit, that is absolutely game changing. That's like the same benefit of PC and internet combined. And that's like V1, you know, or V1 is like, I said, you know, say GPT-4, right? Imagine like a few more versions of that. Um, so, so I think we'll see each year for the rest of this decade, pretty remarkable improvements in the capability of these models things like better planning things like better knowledge things like better action taking because uh, that's one of the big things that we're working through right now to improve the effectiveness and you know having the the agent be able to go execute plugins reliably and efficiently so so kind of all of that progression will happen at some point we'll we'll take a step back and say you know what this is probably what we would call agi but mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be like a single breakthrough moment. I think it's going to be more like steady progress and um, a progress that's born on amazing scientific improvements, you know, new algorithms, new approaches, amazing compute. Yeah. Um, so just an incredibly large amount of processing power to do all these things to train and infer. And the third bit is also just more and more data, both synthetic and real world to continue to inform these models. So I think those three things will work to go continue to drive that steady improvement. And it's only, I think, only a matter of time until AGI and some, like something that we really truly calls AGI exists. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we're all just like guessing to when it will actually happen. Sure. But but the, 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 the big takeaway I would just say is, even if it doesn't happen, my goodness, is there an incredible amount of innovation and benefit coming before then? And, well, right here at know. V1, even at V1, there is, you know. Yes, it's, uh, exactly. And you know, you guys again are uniquely positioned because the the one of the huge factors of this whole journey is going to be compute. Yeah. And I don't I don't think there's anybody on the planet better positioned for that to 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 be able to 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 build and grow that compute capacity that's going to be needed. I don't, mm-hmm. and I don't see how anybody starts today. Uh, even anybody that's already in the field uh, starts today and, and catches up with with where that is. Um, it's good. It's going to be an interesting uh, an interesting time. That is for sure. And what do you what do you uh, what's the term Moore's law? Uh, is, are we, we're we're in that 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 phenomena now, right? I mean, you talk about everything that's been accomplished, and everybody's they're they're hearing you know uh, AI 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 all the time. But this started a year ago. But this was a year ago, and and 
I've never seen in as many years as I've been working with you guys, so much stuff happens so quickly in such a short amount of time. And mm-hmm. I don't see, I don't see, I mean, you, you guys aren't going to be able to slow down, right? I mean, there's the, mm-hmm. the wolves, the wolves are circling out there looking for an opportunity. You have to stay ahead. Uh, you, you've, you've partnered with probably the best opportunity with OpenAI to stay ahead. Uh, you've got all the, all the ingredients necessary to stay ahead, but you have to stay ahead. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, this thing is, uh, I mean, we, we, we thought we were on a dizzying ride with the Power Platform launch and all the changes. I, I don't think we've yep. seen anything. Yeah, yeah. I would say, definitely. We, we joke in our team is we had the the old pace and there's the AI pace, yeah, <laughs> which yeah. is you know the it's a different level of acceleration and velocity than than we've had in the past, and it's out of necessity but also opportunity. I mean, yeah. like uh, to stay competitive, you're gonna have to take advantage of these amazing AI capabilities, and that's us internally using GitHub Copilot, internally using Copilot in M365 using Copilot for our sales and service functions inside of Microsoft, the company, um, and also finding ways to make it so our customers can take advantage of the same AI capabilities as fast as possible. But it's also um, something that's kind of been worked towards for a couple of years. And the and let me kind of expand on that in two important dimensions. The first, if you go, if you want to say, when did really this pace first take shape? It's when Satya really pushed this idea of one Microsoft and started to change the culture to be one that's focused on growth mindset, being open-minded and learning, as opposed to feeling as though we know everything. Mm -hmm. And this mindset has made it possible to have a culture where this type of innovation can bloom so rapidly, where we could do a partnership with a company like OpenAI, where we could have a single co-pilot stack for the entire company. That really came from that cultural shift. So that's kind of item number one. Item number two is, I wish I could say that we did everything in the last year. We did have a little bit of a head start. We did the partnership with OpenAI first in 2019, and we shipped the first co-pilot features in Power Apps back in 2021, and the first one in Dynamics 365 in 2022. I mean, it really took off in earnest over the last, I'd say, 15 months or so. Um, but we've been, you know, dabbling with it. Um, I, we, that was on ver- like our first feature shipped on GPT-3, 3.5 yeah. didn't even exist. And I remember in the summer of 2022, a small group of us from Microsoft got a demo of GPT-4 and what would ultimately become ChatGPT. And we didn't think it would be as big as it became that November, <laughs> but we knew it was something special. So summer of 2022 is when the starting gun really went off for us at Microsoft to start going as fast as possible. And I don't see any signs of it slowing down. And like I, what I would say is we'll have a hundred more Copilot features just in Dynamics and Power Platform and things like Sophia over the next six months, at least a hundred just in business applications. You know, I think I think what happened was it became immediately understandable and accessible to everybody, which yeah. prior prior to that, you know, yeah, there's there's this AI stuff Microsoft has, you know, we're talking to customers about it. They're saying that sounds really cool, but they, they really don't have any idea what you're talking about. You know, you're showing them some demos and some stuff and they're they're not sure how to get from here. They, they couldn't get a clear picture in their mind of what this is actually going to do for my business. 
until mm-hmm. suddenly they saw, you know, chat GPT and, yes. and that just, that just crystallized everything instantly. So yeah, you guys were pushing hard. I know earlier before this for AI, 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 AI is the future with tons of AI capability and not enough uptake until everybody, mm-hmm. the light bulb went off all on everybody all at once. So yeah, yep. I can imagine that the all hands on deck uh, attitude that that had to have cr- created internally that, uh, you know, yeah. thank, thank, thanks, OpenAI for turning that light bulb on for us. We've been waiting. Absolutely. We've been waiting. Absolutely. I remember, I remember early 2022. I would talk to customers and talk about this thing called GPT, and they'd be like, "GP what?" And I would yeah, ask like yeah. questions. Who, who in this room has heard of GPT or GPT three? And it would be like one in 50 people would raise their hand. And yeah. of course, as of December last year, you know, basically a year ago you could ask the same question, who's heard of GPT or chat GPT, and it'd be 100% of people raise their hand. So yeah, you're exactly I, right. In only a couple of months time, it went from one to 100%, you know, really yeah. quick. Yes. That, 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 that sudden realization by the world was probably one of the fastest things that has ever uh, become so yes. sudden. Um, yep. You know, speaking of chat GPT, and I want to make sure that people that are looking at, you know, Microsoft understand you know, these co-pilots are not just chat GTP, you know, I framed into Microsoft properties. This is because, you know, chat GTP, while it's a great tool, it's known to be a little odd and unreliable and maybe hallucinates, but but that's not exactly what you guys are presenting in these co-pilots. You're, there's a lot more happening. Maybe you can kind of unpack a little of that architecture so people can understand the difference. Absolutely. So we have something we call like the co-pilot system or the co-pilot stack, which is how we're able to take the raw power of large language models like GPT-4 or like the ChatGPT Turbo or the Instruct models and take that raw power and harness it to answer business questions and help improve experiences in our applications or even go do things like data exploration in Project Sophia. And the way those systems work is we first use something called retrieval augmentation generation or RAG, which is the longest name, (laughs) but a great acronym. Um, But that allows us to dynamically inject prompts, meta prompts, and additional context by reading from, say, a vector database or search index or a relational store or just other information we want to inject to guide the large language model's response. So if you use Copilot inside of Dynamics 365, say you use that chat experience that we have in the Dynamics apps, there's actually thousands of tokens that you don't see that we inject in every single message to the to the large language model. And all of that is how it can know information about your data and your information and to do that in a secure and compliant way because we don't put that data and information in the model itself. Then when the response comes back from the large language model, we do things like ranking, filtering, and responsible AI filters to make sure that the answer is the best possible answer we can get from the model. So if you think about uh, kind of that large language model at the center, it really is a little bit of an opaque box. Uh, we, We don't understand exactly the inner workings, but we can completely control the inputs and outputs. 
yeah. to shape and corral us to behave the way we want. And so that's that's the most common pattern. We use kind of pre-processing and post-processing. We use things like retrieval augmentation generation and rankers on responses to make it be really aware and understand the business problems we're trying to tackle. Consequence of that, as you mentioned, is reduces hallucination, reduces, I'd say, how much it draws from the broad internet knowledge and instead biases towards information specific to the customer in the scenario and the workflow. That's the most common use case. We also do some fine tuning and we use something called LoRa or low rank adaptation to further customize the model itself to our specific use cases. And we have found great success using this in certain scenarios. The best example being inside of the Copilot for Power Automate, where we have a specific version of a GPT-based model that is amazing at generating Power Automate workflow definitions. So you give it natural language instructions and it will generate the YAML or JSON to describe a Power Automate workflow. And if you use that like natural language to create a cloud flow or the authoring experience with Copilot and the new Power Automate designer, you're using that special model. And that's something that we're really proud of because we shipped the first version of that 13, 14 months ago, even before ChatGPT. And we've been able to, based on that unique OpenAI partnership, really evolve the model to be a super hyper-tuned version of GPT specific to Power Automate. Um, so those are probably the two big patterns, and um, there is a lot of work uh, that goes on top of the model to, to make it actually behave the way we want it to. I, I would have to think that probably has a lot of similarities to the GitHub uh, Copilot because that's yes, a fairly, exactly. you know, fairly specific use case that needs specific information. And uh, I've been I've been amazed at uh, you know how how well that works. But you, you can tell the yep. difference when you. When you jump into like your sales app and you and 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 you ask the, the sales copilot, you know, uh, how many sales does it look like on my close next month? And it goes mm -hmm. and churns and comes back with a, a, an answer. If you type that in Chat GTP, you're not going to get it. You're gonna, well, you'll get an answer. Exactly. You will. You actually you will get an answer, but it hasn't been augmented or ranked or anything. And uh, I think yep. it's important for people to understand that copilots are not, you know, Chat GTP. They're not the same yeah. thing, you know. There's a completely different experience inside mm -hmm. of a of a copilot, but that also makes it, I would have to think, even a bigger challenge to okay. Now let's reduce all these copilots to one that follows mm -hmm. me around, uh, you know, because like you say, you've kind of tuned this yep. for that, you've tuned this mm -hmm. for sales, maybe this for service, this for mm -hmm. office uh, stuff. Yep. So to be able to follow me around has to be a pretty big challenge. Oh yes, and I mean it. Like it's not just too dissimilar from what we all do as people, right? Like yeah. I'm one person, but if I'm talking to one of my direct reports to do a performance review, I talk to them differently than if I talk to a customer in pre-sales, than if I talk to a customer in post-sales, than if I talk to an architect doing a post-mortem review of a live site incident. Yeah. It's the same person, the same knowledge, the same worldview, but the language I use, the questions I ask, and the information I focus on, can all be different. So if we look to the copilot example, like you would want a copilot to Steve, and I'd want a copilot to Charles, and I would want that copilot to be able to adopt and change its behavior based on what I'm trying to accomplish. And and I think what that means is, is it a one model or is it 
multiple models with the ability to orchestrate between them. I think we're all figuring out what exactly that answer is going to be, but it should manifest as a single copilot with a single, you know, memory and a single history view and, and access to all the same information that you do. You know, like a context aware copilot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Okay. So I think the copilot you're talking about, that's the one that's in preview now with uh, larger customers, right? Like minimum 300. Yeah, uh, yep. the so, Microsoft Copilot, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, obviously people are out there whining because their little five-user organization can't get a hold of this thing. But, I mean, I, I, I have to assume that you have to start somewhere, right? So you, you set some yep. sort of a minimum so you can work out the challenges. But eventually this will be available to any size company, right? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So, yeah, I would say that that's just a, a timing and sequencing decision not yeah. at all a reflection of the technology or the ability it's just um there's only so many gpus and so many kind of engagements that we can support at once and we're just saying we're going to focus on enterprise first you know not being a hardware guy i heard such announcing this the, the development of these new gpus i guess uh, mm. th these are has microsoft done that before where they built their own gpu i think i think this was our first one um yeah, yeah. Certainly, I would like. Uh, certainly, is I think the the most compelling one that we've ever done. Yeah, well, I would have to assume that there's a supply and demand problem right now out there in that space. So one way to solve that is to add your own, you know, kind of create your own, and then you're not as dependent on the supply and demand that's out there. Yeah, yeah, and I would say like that. I think we'll have we'll build our own, and of course, like we have a fantastic partnership with Nvidia, which. Yeah. which doesn't change and in the same session where we announced the gpu i think jensen from nvidia their ceo was on stage with satya talking about it so the yeah. like i think our worldview is we want to support customer choice throughout we want to draw from the best of the best because there is a real correlation between effectiveness of the ai models and the underlying compute capacity like you, we need bigger, better GPUs to build bigger, better models. So we really yeah. care about yeah. continued innovation there. And I mean, customers are always asking for for more integrated, more end-to-end -end solutions in Azure. Um, same reason we also announced the ARM processor. Um, so, and we've already done a whole bunch of amazing work to, to say improve things like network switches and network interfaces inside of the the data center. So we're going to keep doing all of those things, but we'll, we'll never ever waver on our commitment to customer choice and never ever waver on our desire to push the frontier and innovate of what's possible in the GPU. More memory, more computations, higher velocity, all of that. Well, and another unique advantage is you guys have all the levers to adjust and play with. You know, you you're not yeah. you're not you're not dependent on other other folks for a lot of those levers. You you have them all at, at your disposal. Um, yeah. You know, there's been uh, some changes in the organization. You've got some new people that have come on. People mm -hmm. have changed some roles. People mm -hmm. have moved on. Um, mm -hmm. You know, how has that impact? I mean, I know you guys do that all the time, but has there been any impact from some of those changes? I know mm -hmm. uh, Sanji mm -hmm. got a new role. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, like the like at, like at a high level, I would say technology organizations are never static, and that means yeah, yeah. you know rebalancing investments, rebalancing teams, and 
the the AI transformation and the AI speed has been no different when it comes to the organization shaping and evolving. So so we've definitely done a bunch of shifts and evolutions to dial up our investment in areas around AI. So that's one piece. Second piece is like a, I think a, a healthy organization is one which does have some churn. I'd say some of my proudest moments as a manager are when someone on the team goes on to big awesome roles as a result of success that they had on the team so that's kind of something that happens from time to time and, and also getting is, new, new faces in with new fresh yep. ideas too so that's it's kind yep. of a give and take there yeah, yeah i was say, a i was a new guy to biz apps once upon a time you remember that cds 2.0 i think <laughs> for, for anyone that's but around remembers the cds 1.0 and cds 2.0 you get bonus points for being a long time listener but yeah, so I think, yeah, it's good. It's good. It's evolution. And I feel real like the team, I am beyond fortunate to have the leadership team that I do. Incredible leaders like Sonia, Ryan Cunningham, Lori Lampkin, Jeff Comstock, Lily Chen, Georg, like just incredible, incredible yeah. folks, which take dynamics and power platform and copilot to the next level. Who, who's the PM on the business apps copilots all up? Is there somebody in particular responsible for that? So, so I think we view, my view is Copilot is almost like a web-based UI. Every single application and workload needs to have a Copilot strategy. Right. Um, so that's kind right. of one part of it. So every basically every team has PMs working on Copilot capabilities okay. and features. We, we build on two major core shared pieces of technology. The first is Copilot Studio. Right. So Copilot right. Studio is the way you, you build Copilots, just like you use Power Apps to build Dynamics. You and that's use not just a, to build their Copilots. And that's not a rebrand, just a rebrand of um, the virtual uh, builder. No, it's a lot, a lot more than Power Virtual Agent is. But it, it has consumed all of it. But it exactly. Has so I think that as well. Power, what used to be the Power Virtual Agent feature set is now a subset of the features in Copilot Studio. And so Copilot Studio is how we build a lot, and then. And like the analogy I make is power apps and model driven apps are to Dynamics 365 as Copilot Studio and the Copilots it creates are to the Copilots for Dynamics and Power Platform. So that's kind of the the analogy we make. And then the second piece is we have what we call is uh, basically Cappy as an internal name, but these are the, the Copilot APIs, which are a shared set of capabilities which all the teams draw from to do things like model selection, text summarization, retrieval augmentation generation. And it's built by a guy called Donald Kosman, um, okay. distinguished scientist for us, has a bunch of great experience in Microsoft research. Um, so his team builds out the, that common infrastructure. So we're gonna see more changes throughout the products. And, you know, we talked about Sophia as kind of a trailblazer in yep. figuring out what some of these other things will look like. Uh, you know, we're seeing things like I think we're seeing uh, uh, customer voice now kind of sunset, and I'm sure it has to do with AI or something else coming in to, to take the place of that better. Are there other areas we should be watching and expecting to see affected by AI sooner than others? I mean, the I would say the area where there'll be a lot of rapid change will be all points of integration with Office 365. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Because because what we're finding is just the Copilot integration points vastly outperform and provide such a better experience than like the classic 
in better form and better, you know, and I think a great example is like the Outlook add-in that's been around in Dynamics forever versus mm-hmm. like the Copilot integration in Outlook. We're gonna have both, you can use both, but the Copilot integration in Outlook is just so much better. I use, I have an early release of that. I use that every day, it is just amazing. Yeah. So, so I think Office 365 integration. And the second would be anything having to do with data exploration, data preparation, and data reporting will look very different. And we talk about a world where if I can just ask a question and get the information I need back, why do you need things like a dashboard anymore? Yeah, right? right? Like why right. do I need a why do I need a pipeline dashboard? I can just ask whatever question I want and I can ask follow-up questions and tweaks. Why does a central team need to create a dashboard? So I think data and analytics and reporting visualization will change. And probably the third bit um, is going to be a, ra- a lot around power platform and low code development. Like low code development's always been about drag and drop expressions. We're now going to add natural language to the mix. And yeah. probably the most successful copilot has been the copilot for Power Automate. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just the stats we see, the impact that has, the user feedback. Um, people like using natural language alongside the visual designers. And that's going to really be the main way that people interact with Power Platform going forward. So you think they prefer that to actually writing expressions? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, I, I've been asking for a C, the ability to write T-SQL very easily for on top of Dataverse to have an experience for it so I don't have to use like the TDS endpoint. Mm-hmm. But maybe I, we won't need that anymore. I'll just be able to write natural language now instead. So, yeah. Yeah, it, well, it had me wondering about things like Viva Sales, you know, or Viva, or Viva, yeah, Viva Sales, because I was thinking when we talked about that back when it launched, I would say, okay, that's the first of many Viva service, Viva this, that, and the other. But now it kind of feels like like co-pilots are kind of stepping on Viva's yes body, not just the feet, it's yes. stepping on the whole body, and that that's just yes, going to get. Right consumed into a co-pilot which makes sense yeah you know uh now a couple of uh i want to ask you a couple of questions that are more specific to me <laughs> and, <you> know, <laughs> okay and, and you know what we're doing right i mean and i i got excited when i saw the co-pilot the ability not to not using co-pilots to build a power app, but the ability to to build a co-pilot to put into your power app right your mm-hmm. your yep. model driven in particular and but also yep. canvas where you know because obviously there's a ton of customers out there of all sizes that have taken the power platform and built completely bespoke solutions to major problems you know out there and yep. you know they're looking at these co-pilots thinking wow that's cool i wish i could have one well we've got this capability now um and what what is the please don't tell me that's going away <laughs> you know <laughs> i want to i hear that that's continuing to yep. go and also these folks have been able to utilize you know the outlook app uh, up mm-hmm. to now, and you know, if there's this so much better, cooler Copilot app instead of the Outlook app, will they be in a position to use both of those tools? Yeah. So I mean, the first thing is embedding Copilots in your Power App definitely is not going away. Thank you. That is, <laughs> I mean, because what's cr- incredible is what like customers are asking me left, right, and center. I love Copilot. How can I put Copilot in my own line of business apps? And what my answer is right now is the easiest way, no matter who you are, the easiest way is to build a power app and use an embedded Copilot capability. 
that's so much easier than even even if you can write code this is the fastest way to do it and we think in the future people won't even use applications that don't have co-pilots i mean right. the, the analogy i make is imagine if you went to work and your boss was like here's the ui for you to do your job and it was a green screen terminal you yeah. run screaming out of the office on your first day <laughs> Too much work. And exactly. You're like, I'm not doing this. I expect graphical user interfaces. There's a thing called a mouse and keyboard I like. The same thing will be true for Copilot in no time. People will just not use applications which don't have a Copilot. Yeah. So that's one. And the second is, yes, absolutely. The, the plan is for our extensibility for Copilot in M365 to be available to, to third parties and others. We're defining that as we speak. Because, uh, I mean, like I said, we're learning and experimenting so much right now. I think we've rewritten like Copilot for sales like three times <laughs> in the past yeah. 18 months as we've evolved our understanding. So so uh, when the platform is more steady and stable, absolutely, we plan having third party extensibility there as well. And that yeah, should that, be 2024. That's not something that's like years away. That's 2024. Yeah, nothing is years away anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's true. That's and, that, and, and that's going to be a big challenge to solve because, as you as you said, you, this idea of a co-pilot that basically follows me around uh, wherever I'm at work, whatever it is I'm working on, if I'm in sales, if I'm writing an email, uh, making a PowerPoint, it's the same co-pilot or the illusion of the same co-pilot that's passing me off seamlessly to the other co-pilots and bringing with it the bag of information that it's generated so far to be able to do its job, then now we're going to introduce, oh, okay, now let's open this up for this wild west of ISVs to stick their stuff in here. That yep. seems like almost a bigger problem to solve than, I mean, because you have control of everything internally. Yes. Uh, bringing in the ISV sounds like that will be a, a a a big one to solve. Yeah, it won't be easy. I mean, the it'll other, we, and we have to be very careful, otherwise it'll end up like Internet Explorer with all those like add-ins that people used to add like 20 years yep. ago. <laughs> You yeah, know, exactly. We, we don't want your copilot to have like 30 add-ins which take up the whole screen. So you're exactly right. We have to figure out the right platform and the right approval process and the right opt-in process to make sure we don't compromise on the magic of copilot. Yeah. Well, as I do every year, because I've taken up a lot of your time, as I do every year <laughs> when I talk to you, uh, just coming off of, I mean, I know we've talked, you know, AI, copilot, copilot, but what else? Did you uh, think at uh, at Ignite in particular, people should be looking at that maybe is getting a little overshadowed by all the co-pilot stuff? Because there's always those pet projects that you know, man, if people knew more about this, this thing would just sing and they just for some reason or another don't get to yeah. see it and right now. I, we know why they don't get to see it because it's buried by co-pilots. But what yeah. else? what else out there? I mean, I would say just two things. The first is we shipped a ton of amazing governance and security improvements to Power Platform, which carry through, of course, to Dynamics 365 as well. So I think one of the things we're really proud of is this idea that an application built on Dataverse and the Power Platform and Dynamics 365 applications are the most secure applications you can build out of the box. So. There's a whole bunch of improvements there. There's a great deep dive breakout session on that as well, um, worth checking out from Ignite. And the second is in Dynamics 365 Finance, we have been announcing a bunch of big enhancements to financial planning and analytics. And this 
is has been the one of the biggest customer asks for the last few years is to have native FPNA capabilities in Dynamics or 65 Finance, and we have it now. So I'd say go check it out. It's in the box, makes it easy to have a really advanced and like there's there's AI, but it's not generative AI. It's just standard, you know, budgeting, planning, analytics. Yeah. Um, but it's just something that people have been asking for a long time, and the team has done a huge amount of work to close this gap because it has not been an easy one, and that is now all available out there. So those are probably the two takeaways. And, and that that definitely is the harder side of the house to move into new stuff, right? I mean, mm-hmm. s- salespeople are all ready to try anything, right? They're 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 open. Yep. They're 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 game for hey yeah sure I'll try this. But you get in the ERP side of the house, they're very resistant to want to do anything. I mean, they were the slowest yes. to move to the cloud, the slowest mm-hmm. to 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 take up new features. So you you, you got to tread a little more slowly there, I guess, than than in some of the other spaces. Yeah, so, that's exactly right. Very cool, Charles. Uh, thank you very much for taking the time to chat with me. I think it's probably getting to be about your lunchtime by now. Uh, so. I wish I got three 25-minute meetings back-to-back right after this. So, Oh, uh, oh well, but, I, I guess I caught you at the perfect time then. You did. You did. So, as, as always, right. great to connect with you, Steve. All right, man. Thanks a lot, Charles. Yeah. Yeah. Have a good one.